0: Good morning, beloved. Open your Bibles with me, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 10 this morning. John chapter 10. Welcome those joining us in online. Uh, If you are new with us, uh, we put a pause on our study of the Gospel of John as we spent some time growing in the area of prayer, Uh, but today we... Now turn our attention back to the Gospel of John and some very important verses in the 10th chapter. I want to begin today by um, reading our text and um, then as always we'll go verse by verse and consider each of them more carefully. Um, So we left off last, John chapter 10, we'll start in verse 22. And uh, we'll read right through to the end of the chapter. This is the reading of God's holy and living word. At that time, the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ... Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them. I told them. Jesus answered them. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give you them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand I and the father are one the Jews picked up stones again to stone him Jesus answered them I have shown you many good works from the Father. From which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, You are God's? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many Believed in him there. Wow, we have reached almost the halfway point of John's gospel. And uh, even though there are 11 chapters left, we have reached a turning point. We have nearly reached the end of the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have seen three full years of his ministry. And at the end of this chapter, three additional months will pass. John 11 is where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Verse 55 of John 11 tells us the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. At this point in John 11, even though half the gospel is left, Jesus is just one week away from going to the cross to accomplish the father's will to be the substitute to be the sacrifice to pay for the sins of his people one verse earlier in john 11 verse 54 we're told jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the jews but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called ephraim and there he stayed with his disciples the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is drawing to a close in Jerusalem. And yet he gives one final call, to believe, to believe in the Son of God whom the Father has sent. These verses, verses 22 through 42, are packed with biblical truth and doctrine and are so important to the understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ is and who the Christian is. In the Lord Jesus Christ. I've divided our passage day. Into three sections. I think only two of them made it into the bulletin. The first section we'll cover. Is verses 22 through 30. As it focuses on. The deity of Christ. The deity of Jesus Christ. Now notice. First the scene. For this interaction between. The Lord Jesus and the religious leaders. It says in verse 22. This takes place in Jerusalem, at the temple, and it was the Feast of Dedication. Today we know this feast as Hanukkah, sometimes called the Feast of Lights. But the reason that the Apostle John calls this the Feast of Dedication is because it uh, remembers and celebrates the cleansing and the rededication of the temple after it had been desecrated by the Syrians in around 168 B.C. The Feast of Dedication is not a feast that you will find in the Old Testament. It's not commissioned by God. It originated during the intertestamental period in between the end of Malachi and the start of the New Testament. Ultimately, this feast celebrates Israel's deliverance from its oppressors. Now, every word that John writes in this gospel, the Holy Spirit has commissioned him, and it's written with a purpose. And he tells us that purpose towards the end of his gospel. I want to remind you of it. John chapter 20, verse 31. He says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is painting for us a picture. And the picture is this. The Lord Jesus is the one who personifies the feast of dedication He is the only deliverer, the spiritual deliverer of his people. And the irony, then, of the scene is that Israel is celebrating their fierce human deliverer, uh, Judas Maccabeus, from 200 years before. And at the same time, they're rejecting the true deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll recall back when we started this chapter, chapter 10, Jesus declared in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only door. He is the only way to the Father. In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the Lord's call to salvation this is the exclusive claim of Jesus Christ there is only one savior one Lord and there is only one way to the father so John sets the scene for us Jesus is walking in the temple it is the feast of dedication and I notice there at the end of verse 22 John adds it was winter now we all know that Hanukkah falls in late November and early December on our calendar and this certainly would have been well known to John's audience they knew when Hanukkah was celebrated but John appears to be making a point here to mention that it was winter could he maybe be suggesting a spiritual truth that not only describes the season of the year but also that spiritual winter as set in upon Jerusalem and the Jewish religious leaders As the true light, which gives light to men in just three short months, Jesus will be crucified. He will be raised from the dead and he will ascend back to the Father. And in that context, the cold winter is moving in. The cold winter is coming. The days are becoming shorter. The hours of light are becoming less. Whether John was saying it was just cold or he was pointing to a greater spiritual truth, I guess only the Lord knows. certainly got me thinking this week as the week went on. Now before we do go on, notice in verse 23 it says, Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the area this dialogue takes place in is under this roof colonnade. And it provided temple goers with certainly shade in the summer months and then cover in the, in the winter elements. Rabbis often use this area to teach their students. In fact, we see Peter and uh, John uh, preaching from the same location in Acts chapter 3. So that's the scene John sets for us. Let's move now to the confrontation as the religious leaders of Israel begin to question Jesus. Verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him. Gathered is a rather uh, weak translation. Uh, The more literal translation is they surrounded him or better yet, they encircled him. And they said to Jesus, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, if we don't know the context of these verses, we might think that the religious leaders are actually curious about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. But if you've been with us through the Gospel of John, the context tells us something completely different. Rather, I think this is yet another attempt for religious Israel to condemn the Lord Jesus Christ their intent was to trap Jesus using his own words so they can eliminate him by putting him to death I think back to John chapter 9 after Jesus healed the man who was born blind it was the same religious leaders who had called the blind man's parents in for questioning and instead of celebrating this incredible miracle that the Lord Jesus had done they wanted to know one was this their son, and two, if he was born blind, then how is it that he's able to see? And you'll remember the parents responded very carefully when they said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. They were so terrified of the leaders, they threw their own kid under the bus. They said, ask him, He's of age, he'll speak for himself. The reason they gave that answer is found in verse 22. It says his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. They had already discussed. They had already agreed. They would essentially excommunicate anyone who confessed Jesus to be the the Christ, and then made you the outcast. The Jewish leaders had already heard the claims of Jesus, that he was the Christ, that he was the son of God. It was not for a lack of evidence. The Lord testified to the truth and demonstrated to them through his miraculous works. They could not believe. They had already rejected the Lord Jesus. Now what makes this so stunning is these were men who had dedicated their lives to the scriptures. They knew, for example, Isaiah 35, a messianic prophecy that says, When the Lord come, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. They knew this prophecy, and more than that, they had witnessed firsthand the fulfillment of it as Jesus miraculously restored sight of the man who was born blind. In fact, you'll remember, it was the boldness of the blind man's testimony that was one of the high peaks of the whole story. For while the parents were intimidated by the religious leaders, there was no stopping this once blind man's testimony of Jesus Christ. He said in John chapter 9, verse 32, since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man Jesus were not from God, he could do nothing. This prophecy from Isaiah 35 was also used in Luke chapter 7 when John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to the Lord Jesus Christ, saying, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Verse 21 At that very time, Jesus cured many of the people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. Verse 22 Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go tell John that. These were the signs of the coming Christ. This was the Messiah. The man who was born blind was right when he said since the beginning of time, nothing like this has ever happened before. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. These were clear, unmistakable Prophetic signs fulfilled, predetermined by the Father in order to glorify the Son. Yet still, the Jewish leaders rejected him. Now this, of course, has been a building theme in John's Gospel. The call to believe balanced against Israel's unbelief. You'll recall that from the very first chapter of John, back in John 1 verse 11... The Bible said he, Jesus, came to his own and his own did not receive him. They received him not. Remember back in John chapter 5 when Jesus heals the layman of 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. And verse 18 said, for this reason the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Why were they seeking to kill Jesus? Tells us because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, But also, he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And again, in John chapter 8, verse 57, John records, So the Jews said to Jesus, you are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am they knew exactly that he was referring to Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 when Moses at the burning bush asked um, God what name he was supposed to say to send him and God responded tell them I am who I am sent you so they knew his claim to deity that's why in verse 59 of chapter 8 it says therefore they picked up stones to throw at him But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So let's, with all this history that we've gone through, let's go back to our verse in John chapter 10, verse 25, and see how Jesus answers their question. They asked Jesus in verse 24, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus then answered them. I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness or testify about me. Jesus had already told them plainly over the last three years. And his message was clear. Jesus claimed to be God. And Jesus says on top of that, the works that I do in my father's name demonstrate, they testify, they bear witness that he was in fact a long-awaited messiah the son of God the problem wasn't due to clarity and revelation of truth but rather to their spiritual blindness Jesus said I told you and you do not believe their unbelief was not due to insufficient exposure to the truth but to their hatred of the truth Jesus said it this way in John chapter 3 verse 19 and this is the judgment the light the Lord Jesus has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. Verse 31, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus confronts these self-righteous religious leaders. He called them many times hypocrites, whitewashed toons. Their deeds were evil. They would die in their sins. He said that they did not have the word of God in them, that they did not have the love of God in them. Jesus said, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus said, if God were your father... You would love me, for I came forth from the Father. So they hated the light because Jesus exposed their sins. That's why we hate the light. Now, we come to verse 26, and it's here that Jesus tells them why they do not believe. In fact, this is really one of the great mountaintops in all of Scripture. Verses 26 through 30 are just packed with wonderful biblical, biblical truth. In, in these short uh, couple of verses touches upon God's gracious election of his people, eternal life and eternal security for the believer and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, all packed into these couple of verses. Look at verse 26 with me. Chapter 10, verse 26. Jesus continues, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Wow. Jesus looks right at these men and tells them, you are not God's sheep. You are not. Your unbelief testifies to who you are. Jesus said that this to these same religious leaders back in John chapter 8, verse 43, you'll, you'll remember. Why do you not understand what I say? We've seen this back and forth over and over the Lord Jesus confronting their lives. Why do you not understand what I say? He says this so we can know why. just an incredible truth our lord lays out here he was saying you cannot believe you 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 cannot understand my words because you are of your father the devil paul puts it this way for us in second corinthians chapter four verse four in their case speaking of the unbelieving the god little g of this world the devil the god of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Seeing as spiritually blinded unbelievers, we have no ability in and of ourselves to see spiritual things. And by the way, we are all born this way. All of us. We are all born spiritually blind, spiritually dead in our sins as a result of the fall. The wages of sin is death. So we all come to God, all of us, desperately needing spiritual sight, spiritual light, spiritual ears to hear, light to shine into the, the darkness so we can hear the things of God. And it is God, through his grace and mercy, who is the only one who can give us spiritual sight to the spiritually blind and dead. If you know Jesus as the Christ, if you know Jesus as Lord and your Savior, is because God knew you first. He knew you from all eternity. So when Jesus died on that cross at Calvary. He atoned for your sins. You're one of his sheep. Ephesians chapter 1. We read a portion of it last week in the prayer. Verse 3 says. And this is the portion we covered." Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places. Verse 4. Even as he. Chose us. In him, before the foundation of the world, before the the foundations of the world were laid out, he chose us in him, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Wow. Because God is sovereign, because Jesus knows the beginning from the end, he can say in John chapter 10, I know my own and my own know me. Chosen by God the Father, before the foundation of the world given to the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a a love gift from the Father. John chapter 6 explains this beautifully. You'll remember we spent quite a bit of time in chapter 6. We'll just cruise to those three great verses. Verse 37, he says, All that the Father gives to me will. I love this, will. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Verse 44, Jesus continues. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. This is divine initiative. No one can come to the Son unless God the Father draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. And then one more in verse 65, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the father. Salvation is of the Lord. God is sovereign in his salvation. So to these men in John chapter 10 verse 26, Jesus says, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. (laughs) You're not among my sheep. Now I know sometimes people struggle with this, especially when you're dealing with those that we love but this is straight biblical truth from the lord jesus christ so what can we do we do spiritual battle with spiritual weapons as we've been talking about we pray jesus call is to believe it's nonstop throughout this gospel we preach christ not ourselves non-stop the call is whoever would believe whosoever would believe To believe is repeated nearly a hundred times in John's gospel. It's the gospel of believing. John said Jesus did many other things which are not written in this book, but these have been written. These that I'm pointing in here have been written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. For nearly 30 years, I simply could not believe. But as I shared last week through the prayers of my parents and and as Elizabeth kindly said and many others. And through the preaching that I heard and when I opened up God's word one night and I began to read it. God supernaturally broke through. He broke through and in a moment and in a twinkling of an eye as I'm reading God's word. Suddenly I looked up at Katie and said I believe this. I believe all of this. I need me some Jesus (laughs) and in that moment God gave me eyes to see and ears to hear and he's been working on them ever since so let me just say God is able beloved to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think God is able this gets even better in verse 27 Verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This parallels what Jesus said back in um, verse 4 when he was talking about the good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 4, Jesus said, When he has brought out all his own, he was talking about, uh, remember, bringing the sheep out of the, the fold, out of the sheep pen when he has brought out all of his own he the good shepherd goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice Jesus is the good shepherd and he has his own sheep and we talked about how sheep is an uh, accurate description of us Isaiah 53 says we are all like sheep have gone astray we have all turned to his Sheep tend to wander off. Sheep can't fend for themselves. They need someone to lead and to protect. And I don't know about you, but I can identify with that. I need the good shepherd guiding me, leading me, correcting me. So both in verse 4 and in verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. Because we are his sheep, we have been given by God spiritual ears to hear spiritual words. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Who is the great teacher. Christ's words and resonates with his people. That's why Jesus says. He who has ears to hear. Let him hear. Let him hear. Spurgeon said it this way. They the sheep of God do hear. But they long to hear yet more completely. And to be more obedient to that voice. That rings through the chambers. Of their souls. I really like that. Notice what else Jesus said in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. Jesus knows his sheep. Personally. He knows them intimately. He knows them with a love. That is sacrificial. Sacrificial. Paul wrote to Timothy. In 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 19. Nevertheless. The firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. So the sheep hear the good shepherd's voice. The good shepherd knows them intimately. And as a result of that, what do his sheep do? Jesus says they follow. This one's learning quickly. You'll get a sticker when we get home. The word follow describes the Christian's life. We follow Jesus. We trust in Jesus. How do you know if you're one of God's sheep? The simple answer is do you follow Christ? (laughs) Do you follow him? Those who are chosen by God will hear his voice. He knows him and they will follow him. They will follow me, the Lord says. The, The blessings just continue in verse 28. I was so happy to get back in the study of john i said what an abundance of verses lord thank you thank you jesus says i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand oh amen indeed nowhere in scripture is there a stronger affirmation of the Absolute, eternal security of the believer. I mean, just think about this for a moment. Consider consider eternal life. Life without end. For every believer over all of time. Who, Who has the authority? Who has the power to do this? Only God can do this. Eternal life is a gift from God it is a gift that only can be received it cannot be achieved this is a life that never fails this is a life that can never be taken away Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable That is through the living and enduring word of God. I want you to notice the words Jesus uses in verse 28 to describe this eternal life. He says, I give them eternal life. So Christ gives eternal life to the sheep. Since they did nothing to earn it, they can do nothing to lose it. And then he says, and they will never, how long is never? Never is never. Perish. Jesus will say in the next chapter in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. (laughs) So Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Never. So, beloved, if you are in need of hope in this dark and desperate world, if you're in need of hope in a time where everything seems unsettled and it seems to be causing you angst, this is real hope. This is eternal hope. (laughs) Eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ, his promise to his sheep that's not all and i hear this stuff constantly so i gotta just go here all the different ways you can lose your salvation like it's yours to lose no jesus says i give them eternal life (laughs) and and he tells us something incredible in verse 28 the believer not only has hope in eternal life but he or she also has eternal security in god we, we are in the unfailing hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Look at the end of this verse. Jesus says, And no one will snatch them out of my hand. The, the King James says pluck. No one will pluck them out of my hand. However, th- that doesn't mean we, we won't face opposition. Right? In fact, if you stand for Christ, it's going to be spiritual opposition. There's going to be opposition of the world. There's going to be opposition from the devil, the the lower G God of this world. And then on top of that, there will be opposition internally because of our own own fallenness. But remember Peter telling the Lord, saying, I I will not deny you, Lord. I will not deny you, Lord. And, And then the Lord looked at him in Luke 22, and he said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. He's going to come after you hard, Peter. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. That's the opposition. So yes, the devil's prowling around looking for someone to devour. But Jesus says, no one, not even the devil himself, has the power to snatch you out of my hand. Then Jesus builds on this, he just keeps building, he's a carpenter, so he's got to be building and he's building a second and a third story. He says in verse 29, my father, my father who has given them to me, the sheep, is greater than all, did I tell you that by the way? He's my father, he's greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand we could refer to this as double security Uh, as now we see the lord's sheep are held not only in the in christ's hands but we are also in the hands of a loving heavenly father we have we have double security what what god has done man cannot undo the devil cannot undo and if you really consider it we don't just have double security it's really triple security because Ephesians four says the person who has been born again has been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. <laughs> so we got triple security going on as we see all of the Triune God actively working to secure us for glory. How about that? Wow, the the, the Godhead just just amazing. So we see that the Father and the Son jointly guarantee here the eternal security of believers because as Jesus declared in verse 30 and this is the big one Jesus looked at them and did it again. I and the Father are one. Boom. (laughs) Boom. The Lord Jesus tells them plainly who he is. There is not only a unity, a purpose between the the Father and Son working but there is a unity of essence and of nature. There is one God he exists in three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember how John started the gospel um, his gospel out, verse 1 chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God he was in the beginning with God God showing both present and in person and then if you jump down to verse 14 of, of chapter 1 and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth the scriptures are full of describing the oneness between the son and the father Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that he the Lord Jesus Christ is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and he upholds all things by the word of his power wow One more for you Colossians 1 verse 15 tells us he the Lord Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Well that leads us to the second section which is much quicker verses 31 through 39 and the rejection of Christ. We're coming off of the mountaintop that we just went through and now we see the response of the religious leaders. Verse 15. 31 says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him this is the fourth time the fourth time in John's gospel they have attempted to kill the Lord Jesus and uh, though the Romans had withheld the Jews the right of capital punishment this angry lynch mob was ready to take matters into their own hands their justification of their charge as it was with all the times before was this is blasphemy They believed they were carrying out their their righteous duties as caretakers of the law. So that was their response to the Lord's claim to deity. They wanted to stone the Lord. Look at verse 32. The Lord engages them with a rather bold question. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Imagine the scene. This is intense. You've got the, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's surrounded by this mob of however many zealous Satan-inspired religious leaders holding rocks in their hand <laughs> ready to stone them, ready to kill the very Son of God and yet our dear Lord Jesus did not soften or withdraw his claim to be equal with God. Rather, he forced them to deal with his miraculous good works done at the direction of the Father. Tell me, um for which one of them are you going to stone me for? I mean, consider this, right? Is it for the, the healing of the sick? Or, or is it because I, I gave sight to the blind man? Oh, that was that was awful. That, that was awful. Um, but the enraged Jews were not deterred by the miraculous works of our Lord. No, the angry mob simply brushed his works aside. Verse 33 the Jews answered him, it is not a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. The Lord's appeal to his mighty works was lost on those in the crowd. Their, their minds were made up. that Their love for sin held them captive. That's the way the Bible describes it. So in verse uh, 34, we see the Lord's command of scripture. This, this gets pretty interesting. Jesus answered them. Is it not written in your law? I said you are God's. <laughs> um, first of all. When Jesus uses the term law. Here in this verse. He's using it re- to represent all of the Old Testament. Not just the first five books. He's actually going to quote. Uh, Psalm 82. Actually specifically. Psalm 82 verse 6 here. Um, the entire psalm, Psalm 82, is a, is a rebuke by God of, of uh, Israel's corrupt leaders. And uh, if you want to turn there quickly with me, we'll, we'll um, just hit on that real fast. Um, the, the rulers were the judges of the land, of course, and, and because all power and authority flows uh, from God, the, the earthly ju- uh, judges are thus God's representatives to the people. They are ministers of God. They serve under the authority delegated to them by God. And in that sense, they are gods to the people. God's little g. Little g. If you see this in Psalm 82, it sets the context for how the Lord answers this charge. Psalm 82, starting in verse 1. God takes his stand in his own congregation. This is pretty wild. This this is the Godhead meeting with all the spiritual entities. He judges in the midst of the rulers. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute rescue the weak and needy deliver them out of the hand of the wicked they do not know nor do they understand they walk about in darkness all the foundations of the earth are shaken and here in verse six is what our lord quoted i said you are gods notice the little g and all of you are sons of the most high nevertheless you will die like men and fall like any one of the princes. Arise, O God, and judge the earth. For it is you who possesses all of the nations. Wow. Jesus is making the argument from the lesser to the greater. Uh, from the corrupt judges of Israel to himself. And he's saying that if mere men who were evil could be in some sense called gods. will how is it blasphemy then for Jesus Christ the one whom the father actually sent comes in the authority of and the power of how is it blasphemy for Jesus to call himself the son of God as he's been doing no you rather if we consider it are the blaspheming ones Jesus is saying because you've rejected the very son of God well Let's go now back to John chapter 10, and uh, in verses 35 through 36, Jesus affirms he's worthy of this title. Verse 35, Jesus speaks, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him, Jesus is speaking of himself here, do you say of him, Whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? It's interesting. There in verse 35 that we just read, and scripture cannot be broken. Um, Jesus knows that these religious leaders have dedicated their entire lives to the word of God. That they have been meticulous trying to keep God's word. But the most important thing has escaped them. They didn't grasp who it all points to. This entire book points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus says scripture cannot be broken, he sees the scriptures as a seamless chain that can never be broken. This word broken is the verb "aluo." It has the meaning of being dismissed, loosened, Chain, um, changed or removed scripture cannot be changed it cannot be weakened it cannot be less than remember actually what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 18 he said truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished and it's amazing when you stand back and you look at the scene And you look at Jesus' response as he quotes a rather unknown psalm, Psalm 82, that doesn't seem to be very specific to the situation, but what a command of the scriptures that he uses this psalm to silence them. Verses 37 and 38, Jesus continues in the same vein. He says, if I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe in me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe in me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus is simply saying this, what you have seen validates who I say I am. Believe, believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. We are one. How gracious of our lord as he offers yet another invitation to those who want to kill him and you know whether it's to those people specifically don't forget saul's a pharisee he very well could be there he's hearing biblical truth just because they deny him reject Him, want to kill him right now we know that saul is miraculously transformed on the road to damascus so the lord continues to call believe believe you know on believe in me believe in the works that i do that's the call of our lord their response was unchanged verse 39 tells us again they sought to arrest him but he escaped from their hands so again we see the sovereignty of god here for until it was his hour they were powerless to capture the lord jesus christ we went through when we started john's gospel my hour my hour my hour has not yet come my hour has not yet come It is my hour. It is all according to the sovereignty of the Lord when he was going to be arrested, crucified, and raised to glory. So we'll close quickly with the last section, a short section, section three, the witness of Christ. Verses 40 through 42 is the witness for Jesus Christ. After this whole scene at the temple, verse 40 says that Jesus went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. Um, Now, the people who were living in this area were apparently still living in the glow of the ministry of John the Baptist. It had been several years now. He was, of course, no longer alive. But the ministry of John the Baptist was to prepare the people for the coming Messiah, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 41. It says, and many came to the Lord, and they said, John did no sign, John was, John was no miracle worker but everything that John said about this man is true we, we, we've heard we have seen now what is it that John the Baptist said to them let's just kind of remind ourselves quickly I'll read through John chapter 1 verse 29 remember John is preaching repentance he's baptizing all these people verse 29 he says the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said behold The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. He was born before him. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. Remember, during the the baptism i did not know him but he who sent me to baptize him with with water said to me upon whom you see the spirit descending and remain on him this is he who baptizes with the holy spirit that's the one verse 34 here's john's witness and i have seen and testified that this is the son of god that was john's testimony so as so as jesus leaves jerusalem he goes to Bethany, the Bethany that's beyond the Jordan, not the Bethany near, near Jerusalem. And he's greeted by John's disciples. <coughs> and it says, and many came to the Lord there in verse 41. These were people who had eyes to see. And they saw that Jesus was the fulfillment of John's witness and testimony. Verse 40 says, and many believed in him there. What did they believe about him? They believed that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the son of God. and as John's testimony said he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world two different groups we see in this text those in Jerusalem and those in Bethany at the end they are representative of all men and if we examine ourselves we need to look into our own hearts and ask well what group do I fit in there Jesus said enter in through the narrow gate because there's only one door that leads to life enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction many will enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it Jesus says I am the way I am the way I am the road I am the truth and I am the life no one comes to the father except through me Jesus is the way because he paid for the way he paid the way. His atonement, death on the cross, paid the debt for our sin, a debt we could never pay. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but will have eternal life. The call is to believe. To believe. If you need the prayers of the church this morning or God has moved your heart today, we'd love to celebrate with you or pray with you or um please feel free to come forward this morning or we can meet after the service somewhere more comfortable as we stand and sing the song of invitation. Thank you.